get together and uh they tell you some stuff that that uh not necessarily i don't i don't really know i don't know i'm sick this week guys marissa you tell people what the podcast is about this is a podcast where me and pete try to run from our own lives for an very hour true. very true <laughs> uh but in other words this is a podcast where we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know and i'm marissa phillips pete phillips is here that was really that was all over the place. <laughs> We're so not going to fix it, listeners. How was your week? My week was okay. Um, I got sick, and I've been home from work. That yeah. sounds like a good week. It wasn't that good. I don't really okay. want to be sick. Here's what happened. I got uh, like a flu slash cold thing, plus my back started to hurt at the same time. So I have a really bad cough, but every time I cough, my back hurts like hell. So... Oof. It's going cool. It's going real cool. <laughs> and I'm sorry, I implied that staying home is cool, not being Yeah, yeah, sick. yeah. I know. But yeah. Yeah, okay. How about you? How was your week? Well, actually, my week was cool until today, but I won't get into this darkness. <laughs> However, um, I'm supposed to see Black Panther tomorrow with a bunch of young people. Ooh. Not children, but, like, people <laughs> in their early 20s. And they were like, by the way, I'm going to, like, the rumble seat thing with 3D. I'm yeah. very. I don't want to pay that money, and I don't like 3D, but I'm kind of excited about moving seats. Did, but anyway. you and I went to do that, right? Did we? I hope we did. For we Christ. went to. See, I think we went to see Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington, and it did was we? kind of a bummer because there wasn't as much action in it as there as like you you would want in a shaky seat situation. I would kill for rumble seats in like a romantic drama and like there's rumbling in the sex scene and rumbling when they're getting like in a heated argument. Yeah. Like I would kill for rumble <laughs> seats during the movie last night with mm. Ava Mendez and skinny Natalie Portman. Slicker. No, not Natalie Portman. I don't Kira Knightley. They're the same person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> Okay. Anyway, you know, so I was like, British, oh. British uh, Natalie Portman. Yeah. So I was like, oh, who's buying it? How do I pay them? And they were like, oh, you can pay small. And then someone who I don't know very Venmo. well peeps into the doorway and he's like, you can just Venmo me. And I just like lost my cool. You can't and I hang out with these young people. And I was like, I was like, no. And then I looked at my friend, who was the one who invited me, and I was like, what, what, why did you, why did you take care of this and make sure nobody mentioned this to me? And then I was like, you know what I did. And then I mentioned the time when I cursed out the guy on the date again. And then I was just like, I'm not having Venmo anybody. What are you like, what are you, children? I'm not a millennial, which I am, I know I am. But anyway, so I got really angry, but then I felt really bad because. The person doesn't even know me. <laughs> they kind of do. I work with them. But I don't hang out with them. And then my friend tried to say Venmo's really cool because you could title the stuff wacky. Like, I could title my Black Panther thing, like, $16 for Sugar Whispers or whatever. I could say that I'm paying for whatever I want. And I'm like, that's not a selling point. No, it's not at all. And then there, were, and then my coworker was like, Venmo's fine. It's owned by PayPal. And I was like, it's not the same. And then basically I just yelled at a bunch of people really loudly in a room. And then I looked real bad. And then I went, I'm sorry. Tell Elliot I'm sorry, the person who I don't know that well. And I was like, maybe I'll download Venmo for him tomorrow. And then I decided, no, I'll just get money out of him. Stick to your guns. Yeah, by far really bad. Plus, you, you can use Zelle with your choice banking app now. I don't know. That's like a Venmo that uh, that is from the banks, so they have enough money to actually have commercials and stuff. Oh. Can I use that with my own bank? Yeah, like if you have a banking app on your phone, like a Bank of America app or a Wells Fargo app, you're supposed to have this thing like built into it. Oh, but then they're supposed to have the app too? Yeah, yeah. So you know okay. what? Just turn the tables on those people and be like, now you got to get yeah. my app. You want my money? You get my app, all right? I will admit, though, 
in a convoluted sequence of events, I ended up downloading Snapchat, but I'll probably delete it by tomorrow. I don't know a thing about Snapchat. Neither do I. I'm not going to know anything about it either. And I was, this is TMI, but I had just taken a shower, and I was looking at it when I wasn't wearing any sort of top on, and I had a freak out, because I was like, did I just snap myself topless? What did I, I don't know. How do I know when I snapped something? And then I realized I'm a moron at 80. So anyway. Icebreaker. Marissa, what's your favorite Olympic, uh, winter Olympic sport going on? You got any ideas? Oh, my favorite Olympic sport is always figure skating. However, now that it's in Korea, it could potentially be all of them. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah, because Korea is a place of beauty, everybody. But yeah, <laughs> figure skating is my favorite. Figure skating and rhythmic gymnastics. How about you? I don't know. I it's gonna sound stupid, but I really, um, I really like curling. Yeah, just that's like that's the Venmo of the Olympics. But the reason that I like curling is for the banter in between, um, not for the actual game itself. But they're like, you oh, sound yeah. like yeah, <laughs> they're like yeah, yeah, you got really close, you know, like just things like that. I like how supportive they are. What are those girls are. called? Those. Flixy, pixie dream girls? Yeah, but what does that have to do with this? Oh, manic pixie dream girls. What you just said is something a manic pixie dream girl would say. <laughs> I am a manic pixie dream girl. I love curling because of the banter in between, not the actual curling. Oh, she's so quirky. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I value you as a person. I am. <laughs> I do value you, but that was a really funny thing for you to say. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. Okay. Natalie Portman. In in Garden State. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, guys, who's going first today? I guess I can go first since you have something more substantial to say. We'll make people wade through mine first. I don't really hope I have something more substantial to say, but you go for it. I Listen, guys, this is one of those situations where I think that if uh, we were in opposite shoes and Marissa had done this, she would be like, Pete, I don't have a topic today. I wanted to do X, but I couldn't find anything on it. <laughs> That's what I did. And I couldn't find anything on it. And I was just like, fine. Everybody should You're know. Everybody should it. know that I can't find anything on it. Okay. Ever since it started in 2015, I have not been happy with Kentucky Fried Chicken having so many different versions of Colonel Sanders. I think it's I think it's unfair. I think it's uh, dishonest. I think it's ingenuine. And I think it's okay. very confusing. Unfair to who? <laughs> to uh, that one was just because I couldn't think of uh, the second word that I said. <laughs> that was okay. like a, a filler word. <laughs> but evidently, it is very unfair to Daryl Hammond, who apparently immersed himself as the first comeback colonel in May of 2015, he got emotionally invested in the work of becoming the new Colonel Sanders, and he only had a six-month contract, and at the end of the six-month contract, they didn't renew it. And that's but when Norm MacDonald came in. <laughs> did he think, did they not tell him the plan? They did not. They just signed him for oh. a six-month contract. He thought it was a six-month trial contract to see oh. how he could do, um, but... In the meantime, they were like, yeah, we're only going to do six months, and then we're going to pick somebody else. Um, evidently, from that point forward, it was made very clear to all uh, people who get this contract that it's a temporary gig and it's part of the campaign. But, yeah, he said, that was the last time I got emotionally invested in my work. When you play me like that, when all along you knew what was coming, I don't see the point. <laughs> what? I don't – I mean, okay – Daryl Hammond is, is fabulous. Yeah. And I appreciated his work as the colonel. However, how emotionally invested could he be? And then Norm MacDonald came in right after him, and Norm MacDonald posted a tweet that said, In my opinion, KFC made a big mistake replacing Daryl Hammond. Aww. <laughs> I mean, did he method act? Like, what did he... Was he, like, living in a... In Kentucky, being I think a the colonel? Thing is, like, <clears throat> you have all these people who are actors who have played the colonel. 
since yeah. 13 total, by the way, since 2015. Um, but Daryl Hammond is like an impersonator as well. And so I feel like yeah. he did the most authentic interpretation and impersonation of the original Colonel Sanders. Okay. You seem and, like you're emotionally invested as well. So, so he was... <laughs> So he was, I think the thing is, yeah, like he was the closest and everybody was like, well, that's what you should have stuck with. But instead you decided to do this, yeah, quirky ass millennial uh, coddling approach of having a different person every single time. How is that coddling? Coddling to millennials? Uh, pandering? Millennials pandering is maybe what I'm thinking. I'll, I'll tell you why. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't take that quote. But basically, they were saying, like, uh, young people today need things to be fresh and new and different all the time. And this is their Don't way of, of achieving that. Yeah. Calm down, marketing executive. <laughs> we're able to handle one actor playing the mascot of a food place. Yeah, or at least doing it in a convincing way so that when you switch one Ronald McDonald out for another, you don't know that there's a different Ronald McDonald. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, nobody's buying more chicken now because it changes all the time. Like, that's weird. One of the things that came up in this interview that I found, the closest that would talk about this, is they changed their name from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC. Yeah. And then they recently changed their name from KFC to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, some people... So maybe there was some sort of rumor online that... uh. But basically, they changed their name from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC because they had more than just fried chicken. They also had grilled chicken and roasted chicken and just like and a bunch of sides and everything like that. Yeah, but no, no shit. Burger King has more than burgers. But then somebody started a rumor that they had to change their name from Kentucky Fried Chicken to KFC because they don't actually use real chicken. They use I did hear that. Modified yep. chicken. And so this guy just makes this whole big deal over that. Where he's just like, people don't understand that we use real chicken. And this is a way for us to demonstrate our artisanal chickens. Which, no, I know that's a trigger no. word for you and me. <laughs> no. 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 And, and so I had to go, how could this have anything to do with chicken? Artisanal. Relating to or characteristic of an artisan. Made in a traditional or non-mechanized way. An artisan is a skilled craft worker who makes or creates things by hand that may be functional or strictly decorative. For example, furniture, decorative arts, sculptures, clothing, jewelry, food. <sighs> so, each time you come no. to KFC, you are coming face-to-face -face with a chicken artisan and you show <laughs> that person the proper respect. That's just a side note that I want to put out there for everybody. I, I will not lie. I like KFC. No one's like, they're not hand-coding it. And hand dipping it and using. How do you a, know? There's no time. Fine, I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you the last time I had Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's been a long time. Um, I used to eat it in Korea all the time. I didn't eat the chicken. I ate the sides. You're right. I haven't had Kentucky Fried Chicken in a long time. I feel like maybe I had it as a child. It was delicious. They used to have a buffet. And it was so good. Oh, so good. That does sound good for a KFC, a buffet. Yeah. Um, so some of the traditional listeners of the show might be going, um, is Pete on drugs? I am, but it's like only acetaminophen and like decongestants and one cough suppressant. But um, the point is, what what is he talking about? He's just talking about how he's irritated with KFC. But listen. My whole thing, the whole reason I went into this is, why? Why are they doing this? I don't understand. So I found this interview with Chief Marketing Officer Kevin Hockman at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I thought, Marissa, that you would appreciate this extended Okay. Quote. We were thinking about, what's our North Star? And our North Star is the Colonel and doing things the hard way. When we are at our best, the Colonel is at the center of everything. When he passed... We started losing our way a little bit. So the idea is that we're looking to get back to the colonel and to his beliefs about treating guests and making sure that we offer the highest quality and service in our stores. And what's better? What better way to do that than to make the colonel front and center in all of our efforts? 
It still doesn't tell me why you have a different kernel for every kind of chicken that you have. For millennial sensibilities. Plus, we want to see a different kernel every time we swipe the screen. Plus, that really makes KFC sound like a cult. <laughs> We're at our best when the kernel is at the center of everything. Oh my when God. he passed, no. we lost our way a little bit. Stop it. If they framed it like a cult... I'd be I eating there every it. day. No. If it was like, oh my god, yeah, no. I wish, oh, I wish it was all like a cult. Because, you know, I think that the kernel's not enough. Like, Arby has, the, I don't know if you pay attention to Arby's, but Arby has their whole, like, nerdness. And, like, millennials yeah. eat that up. And Wendy's has their Twitter that attacks other people, and millennials eat that up, too. Millennials... Would love a cult based on chicken. They wouldn't love a cult based on I would more love like a cult based on chicken. Spiritual things, but I think millennials would love a cult based on chicken. I tend artisanal to chicken. <laughs> I'm just gonna Google chicken cult and come back to that later after the show. Okay, Marissa, how many of the thirteen kernels um, in the past three years do you think you could name? Only three. I can only name Daryl Hammond, Norm Macdonald, and you just told me that lady thing. Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre's one, yeah. Reba McIntyre, as of this recording, although we don't know from day to day with the uh, marketing practices of Kentucky Fried Chicken, she's the latest one. And, guys, I just, I just, that, listen, that pushed me over the edge a little bit because... (laughs) I just don't understand what the hell they're going for anymore. But um, did you know that Ray Liotta was a was a? Ooh, uh, I want to see that. Yeah. Ooh, see, they got me. <laughs> and also Billy Zane and Rob Lowe, two very handsome <gasps> men. Rob Lowe, both, Billy Zane, no. Both no. portrayed uh, the Colonel. So we got Jim Gaffigan. We also got uh, George Hamilton. Damn, that's classic a lot actor of that. George Hamilton. Um, I don't remember who that is. Then there's Vincent Carthizer. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. I don't know why I'm apologizing directly to him. (laughs) But he came on to play some, like, I don't know, some, like, guitarist version of of him. But he's an actor for Mad Men. That was a little strange, too. Then they have a guy named Nick Nemeth. And, again, I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong as well. I don't know who those two people are or how to say their names. But he... um, is a wrestler, and so what they did was he's W. What is it, WWE? Uh, they had sp- specific mark, specific commercials to play during WWE, in which this guy portrayed the Colonel. My least favorite is Randy Quaid um, playing the Colonel. Um, there's also, uh, I guess, comedic dead actor. Dead? I maybe, maybe him. I take. Oh, <laughs> I didn't realize you changed people i thought randy quaid was dead and portraying no, the colonel at the same Dennis time <laughs> i don't think he's dead yet maybe he is though some of those guys sneak into death real real under the radar rob riggle uh and christopher boyer round out the 13 christopher boyer by the way who's a guy that they say is a an unknown actor but um yeah i feel like rob riggle's a little more unknown than christopher boyer uh, oh, I like Rob Riggle. Yeah. Why do I think Dennis Quaid was dead? Probably because isn't like uh, Bill Paxton dead? Yeah, the same person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, Rob Riggle. I got him confused with Rob Hubel. I don't care about Rob Riggle. No, yeah, Rob Hubel would be a fun Colonel, oh, but I it, love would, Rob. Oh, my it God. would get real yeah. mouthy. <laughs> He's so good. I want to marry him. So um, I wish I had a conclusion for you guys, but uh, <laughs> I don't. Um, I, no, I, you should have. The conclusion is that it's for millennial sensibilities. You answered the question. You you led with the answer and then continued <laughs> to talk if you didn't have the answer. I'm not. I, I mean, because it's, I guess what I'm saying is I don't have anything that's good enough for me. Thus, I feel it's not good enough for you as well. Give me an example. Of what would be a satisfying answer? That's the reason that I was looking. I don't know what would be a satisfying answer. There's a lot of things when I watch that I'm like, okay, I'm trying to figure this out. Oh, I came up with 
what could be a satisfying answer to me, but I don't want to know what the real reason is because it's probably not a good answer. <laughs> in this one, I couldn't find anything. Okay. So I dumped, I dumped in, I jumped in. How about if you find out that they're trying out cult leaders and that it is about a chicken cult? By the way, uh, chick, nope. Mm. Reba McIntyre would be the worst. She's so if chipper. Google chicken cult. You get three down. You get guami.tripod.com slash chicken cult. No, yeah. really know what it's about, but it looks like it was made on GeoCities, <laughs> and I really like it. <laughs> That's all I got, guys. I'm you know really what? Sorry. It was short, but I I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> I that it doesn't feel short to people listening, and I hope uh, you stay oh, tuned. I actually thought it was solid. I mean, you keep. <laughs> I wish you didn't build mine up like it's so substantial. <laughs> Yours is substantial because, well, all right. I guess if if all things are fair, Mercy, you knew that they had different people playing the Colonel. I yeah. did not know that Candace Bergen is painting handbags. <laughs> oh, actually, I will say... That was my transition. Okay, thank you. <laughs> she was. She's the starting point. It does branch off a little bit, but anyway. Oh, dear. So, into other celebrity product, products? Projects. Okay, so, everybody, Candace Bergen... If you're very young, you might... Who is listening that's young? But anyway, if you're much younger than me and Pete, you may not know who Candace Bergen is. You will, because she's uh, coming back. No. She's uh, most known from Murphy Brown fame. Was that the 90s? 80s into 90s? I feel like it was more 90s than 80s, but yeah. Okay. So from the Murphy Brown show. And Murphy Brown is coming back, apparently. Um, She was also in Boston Legal... And if you watch Sex in the City, she was Carrie's Vogue editor. Shut up, Pete. Anyway, <laughs> I actually don't know how I found out about this. I think I was listening to a podcast where someone was making fun of it. But anyway, her newest endeavor, which you can find most notably on Instagram, is called Bergen Bags. And the slogan is, from one old bag to another. What is Bergen Bags? It will allow her to explain her project in her own words. As Candace Bergen says, my daughter asked me to decorate her Louis Vuitton. Why? Why? It's what? such an expensive bag in the first place. Why do you need it decorated? I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. My daughter asked me to decorate her Louis Vuitton duffel bag. She posted my design on her Instagram, and the photo generated a fair amount of positive comment. Since then, friends and colleagues send me their favorite bags, and I personalize them with my drawings. I should say that I am not a painter. In fact, I haven't painted anything in 40 years. But I used to draw cartoony things, and I wasn't bad at that. It has been a sharp learning curve, but enjoyable. I set up my paints on the long table on our porch in East Hampton, put golden oldies on the radio, and work happily. At the age of 70, it is fun to do something I haven't done before. I hope you like it. Now, I will first say that I respect her self-awareness and her lack of delusion. Although I also find it uncomfortable that she repeatedly mentions on her website over and over again that she is not a painter. Because of the price that she apparently charges, which I'll get to later. Okay. Um, I know that it's hard to hear about something so visual, um, so I will say I recommend you go to at Bergen Bags on Instagram, B-E-R-G-E-N-B-A-G-S. Um, I would describe these hand-painted bags. Reminder, she does not supply the bags, she just paints them. Uh, they're quaint. And for someone who has <laughs> never painted before, I would say she has a pretty good handle on dimension and shading for a beginner. She paints better than I can, but um, she's amateur at best. I would say it, she her paintings look like a small child who's very talented. An adult is not that talented, but a small child is very talented. 
So a lot of people are getting their custom bags painted. Uh, when I first looked at Bergen bags, it was like one or two, and then she had like pictures of her family. But now recently, there's a steady stream of bags, like first every week and lately every day. And I was reading a customer testimony who got their Louis Vuitton vanity case painted. And then I went on the Louis Vuitton website to see how much that bag cost. Because I'm like, okay, they're getting her to paint her childish drawings on their designer bag. How much is it? Now, their vanity case, which, mind you, is just like to hold makeup. It's not even like a big handbag. Cost a little more than $800. Right. And she painted a crude wiener dog on the side and then crudely wrote the name of the dog on the top. Right. Again, it looked like a child did it. Cool. And the, the thing that bothers me the most and that I can't wrap my mind around is, okay, I know she's rich, but that doesn't mean you don't understand the value of something. So she's painting these bags. Some are close to $1,000. And she's not bothering to, um, like, def- like, she's not bothering to use measurements. That is very clear. Because a large amount of her paintings lack any sort of symmetry, and they're almost always off-center. Oh, my gosh, are they so off-center. They're just, like, off to the side, like, kind of, like, crooked. So, like, even if you had, like, a bad painting, at least, like, it would look like it belonged there if it was in the center of the bag. But yeah. they're always just weirdly off to the side. Do you think that's because she, like, starts in a weird place? And... I think she just... <coughs> I don't... I just, like I said, I don't think she, like, measures it and says, like, oh, I should start it here. I think she just starts wherever it feels right. Yeah, she's um, 70. She doesn't need that shit. <laughs> Math? Come on. So, I noticed that she only seems to paint designer bags. I was looking at a lot of them, and I was like, oh, do I see any, like, plain bags? So, which led me to wonder, like, does she refuse to paint off-brand bags? Like, what are the specifications? So, on her website, it doesn't list any um, any prices. And her website hasn't been updated for a while, you can tell, because she was saying some... Or, wait, was it her website? I forgot if it was her website. No, 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 not her website. It was a... Uh, in an article right when she started where she said she didn't feel right charging money. But that was at the very beginning. Um, now a lot of time has passed and she seems like she has a lot of orders. And according to an article on the New York Post, don't know if this is true, but according to the New York Post, she's charging $1,000. So, uh, hold up. So I bought the bag for $800 and then I pay her $1,000 to paint some shit on it. Apparently. Or do I buy the bag for $1,000 and 200 of it is her painting some shit on it? No, so that she's charging $1,000. Right, okay. Just checking. Yeah. So that would explain why basically only people with designer handbags are getting it painted because you're probably rich enough that's what you own anyway. Um, and she also... You own includes- so many designer, like expensive designer bags that you need to like have one stand out by getting something crudely painted on it. Okay, I like Candace Bergen a lot. (laughs) And I think it's actually very cool that she's doing something that she might not be good at, that she's, like, she's trying it. Don't think she should charge charges. And um, don't even think... If someone gave it to me as a gift for free, I would, like, wear it somewhere once or, like, wear it to a family thing. I wouldn't want the bag at all even if it was on like a dollar store bag it was really wonky i like i could definitely paint better um, so maybe so maybe the price is just like to keep demand down because she doesn't have enough time to paint all these different that bags is, that could be right um also, it's still real ballsy and it really i think i think the discount if i may I think what you're trying to point out is like what you've done by setting the price that high so you set the price that high because you don't have the time to paint a uh, hundred bags a week for like fifty dollars a bag, but when you set the price that high, you can only paint them for rich people, and so creative people. I'm not saying that rich people can't be creative, but genuinely creative people, out, uh, probably can't get access to that. Yeah. So that is a bummer. Yes, I don't know. It just something was and so weird about it that... about all these rich people having these ugly paintings on their bags. It's like yeah. comical. 
Um, also, I just want to realize if anyone was paying attention, I said she probably paints better than me, and then I just said I could paint better. Let me scratch that. I don't know that I could paint better, but I wouldn't charge money for what she paints. Right. Okay. Now, what I enjoy is that she includes this disclaimer on her website. And this also will explain a little bit about the pricing. Okay. Candice Bergen says, the artwork is handcrafted and done to customer specifications. Given that the proceeds received are all donated to charity, okay, refunds or credits will not be given. Accordingly, customer assumes the risk that final product may vary or have defects or may fail to meet expectations. Okay, so you paid $1,000, she made an off-kilter picture on your handbag, and then, like... Yeah, you're okay. surrendering to the artist at that point. Oof. Um, overall, I, again, at Bergen Bags on Instagram, I find this whole endeavor comical and entertaining, but also irritating. And just like something, something weird and off kilter, something, some off commentary on rich people, but I can't quite put my finger on it. But all of this led me to wonder, like, what other dumb stuff are celebrities doing that I don't know about? So I was originally telling P that I was just going to do Bergen bags, but I felt like it was too visual to really go too in depth. I wasn't going to like describe all the bags she painted. Well, so before you I'm... move off of Bergen bags, I okay. just want to, I think that you should find a person whose last name is Bergen and start like a side company called Bergen bags with a Z, like a knockoff. <laughs> and I think you could keep that person very busy at a very cheap rate. I like that. I like that. <clears throat> Back I to should you. do that myself? Yeah. You need to find a person whose last name is Bergen. <laughs> Oh, okay. To start the wheel, okay. to roll in. Um, so I am not going to go into a huge list. I wanted to just focus on, I, I looked at a lot of failed celebrity things, like Hulk Hogan's Pothsmania restaurant and all sorts of weird stuff. But I just wanted to focus on three specifically. One that was so weird to me. One that I was like, what? Why did I not know this existed? And one... That bothers me in the way that, I don't know. Anyway, did you know? Maybe you know, because I think you're a big fan of Robert Downey Jr. Did you know he had a studio album in 2004? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I did not. <laughs> um, do you know anything about it? Did you hear it? Was that in the Ally McBeal days? No, he sang a song in the He Ally sang a lot in Ally McBeal. Yeah, yeah, but he actually so, had his own like debut album, all his songs that he yeah, wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing to do with Ally McBeal. Did you listen to it? Not really. Okay. I didn't listen to David Duchovny's either, and Ooh. I watched The X-Files, so, you know. Okay. Bruce Willis, so, yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> Rob, Robert De Niro, what? Robert Downey Jr. actually has a really nice voice. And is that Robert, like De Niro's, song? Robert De Niro's side <laughs> band. <laughs> I also heard Joe Pesci's album, but I couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Robert Downey Jr. had a really nice voice. Um, his Ally McBeal songs were pretty solid. His debut album was dumb. Not that it was <laughs> bad, but like, I, I was reading one of the reviews that said it sounded pretentious, but you couldn't, the review was like, it's pretentious, yet you can't deny that there's some nice musicality to it. And I was like, yeah, like, he sings well, but like, what the hell are you doing? So, uh, the album consists of eight pop ballads written by Downey and two cover songs with Downey playing piano throughout. And it debuted at number 121 on the Billboard 200 and sold 16,000 copies in the first week. But overall, it only re uh, received mixed reviews. And Robert Downey Jr. said it didn't really return, bring a return on all the effort he put into it. So, I'm going to play a little bit. Oh, is that why he did it? For a return? I don't know. Yeah, you, he seems full of himself. Um, you do it for the love of the art. Only song that I seem to like from this album. <laughs> Again, I think his album feels songs are really nice, but this album was like, calm down. Where did I find you? <laughs> I was like, 
What? Should I remind you of a boy in the Louvre? I'm pretty sure that's it. <laughs> that, I could see then why you would like that so much. <laughs> so this is right after. <laughs> Harvest of my youth. I'm sorry, what? This is right after uh, the movie Gothica. Which came out in 2003, which was a general shit show. Was he in that? (laughs) Of course he was. Oh, I didn't realize that. And uh, right before Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where he started to win the hearts back of indie filmgoers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was a good movie. So that's really all I want to say about that, because it's just like, what? Calm down, Robert Downey Jr. Stop (laughs) trying so hard. Uh, Next one, which I was like, this is the one that I picked because it was so weird. Um, Tom Berenger, who I had to look up who Tom Berenger is. I don't. Um, okay. He's, you don't need to look him up or you don't know who he is? I don't need to look him up. <laughs> okay. I know he is from old, from old movies. He's from Platoon and Searching for Mr. Goodbar and I don't know what else. <laughs> and recently he was in Inception. Pete, do you know anything else that would be more noted, notable that he was in? Tom Berenger. <clears throat> appeared in Inception. And when he appeared in Inception, I was like, what is Tom Berenger doing here? What did he do in Inception? I don't remember. He was like uh, one of the people they were incepting. I know I got that all wrong. but um, What is he most known for? Platoon? He's also the star of... um, Guys, listen. You'll learn a lot of things about me through the episodes of this podcast. Marissa, you might not even know this one. But I have a weird place in my heart for movies um, in which a <laughs> badass high school teacher moves into, like, who takes a, like, takes a job at, a, like, a really messed up high school and, like, ends up killing people. And that's what he does in The Substitute. Oh! That's what I know him from. Okay. Not to be confused with 187, which is the same movie but with Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Didn't watch that. You know what? I'm going to do an episode on 187 one week. <laughs> Because okay. I love that movie. Clifton Collins Jr. was in there. I don't I don't know who that is. Pete knows a lot of people. You do. Okay. <laughs> well, do you know about the restaurant he opened in 1984? No. Okay. In 1994, Tom Berenger opened Twins Restaurant with two identical twins named Debbie and Lisa Gans. <laughs> the restaurant was created... Four twins by twins, <laughs> except for Don Berenger. Yeah, who's not and a twin. And was staffed. Now, mind you, I read oh, no. multiple articles. <laughs> One article says 37, and another article says 29 sets of identical twins. <laughs> so staffed by somewhere in the 30s, was sets of one? identical twins, all working at the same time all of the time. <laughs> they always needed to be working at the same time. What? Um, oh, no, no, no. So the twins had to work at the same time. Not all 27. No, no, not all, okay. not all of them, but all the twins. Second question, themselves. is there just one restaurant? Yeah. I don't know why there's... I wouldn't think that you'd need 60 people to run a restaurant. I don't know. I rounded up, I know. Um, The only non-twins in the business were the general manager and the chef. Okay. So Lisa Gans, one of the owners, the identical twin owners... Uh, said, it took us only two weeks to find enough twins to work here. We've even had twins quit their full day jobs to work here. It's not about the money. It's about the twin thing, which See? is very depressing to hear because it closed down, I think, uh, about five years later. That, but Robert Downey Jr. could learn a lot from that lady. <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah, I guess about so. the money. <laughs> um, the menu was full of twin-themed foods. Such as Twin Peak Nachos, which is weird because they're the twin people. Yeah. Twin Burgers, which isn't a play on words. And Patty Duke. Was it Patty Duke Nachos or Patty Duke Pate? I think I wrote Nachos again because it was an autopilot. But I think it was Patty Duke. No, it wasn't Pate. I wrote Pate Duke. I don't even know what I (laughs) Anyway, there was something based on Patty Duke who is actually not an identical twin. Patty Duke played identical cousins, but I guess it's close, whatever. Patty Duke something. Um, but yeah, apparently the twins, like I said, always had to work on the same time. So if one wanted to take off, they both had to take off. 
and things this like woman, that. This woman owns a twins talent agency. What, one of the ladies? Yeah, Lisa Gans. Ugh. I mean... Twin, Twinsworld.com, if anybody wants to do that. But there's also another article from 2010 about unique culinary careers. And yeah, it, it's all about that restaurant you're talking about. Yeah, so I thought that was fun, really weird. Don't understand why Tom Berenger had anything to do with it, because it seems pointless. Marissa, so, if you had a twin, you think you'd want to go into business with them? Entertainment. All right. Like those twin <clears throat> brothers that do comedy, but they're weird. They're less weird than that, preferably. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It lasted more than... It lasted... Till 2000. To, to, uh, till 2000. So it lasted about six years. All right. Yeah. That's more than I would expect. Hulk Hogan Pasta Mania only lasted like say, a couple months. I don't mean to put you on the spot. Does it say where it was? Yeah. I thought I wrote that down. Apparently I didn't. Upper East Side, New York. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> All right. Now, my my favorite one, which <clears throat> I don't even think my... I don't even think my... I don't think I'm do justice, but I read... I'm obsessed with it, and I don't know why... But I've been reading so many articles and so many reviews on it. And actually, now that I've reminded myself of it, I'm probably going to just look at the website itself when I get off the podcast. But my favorite one is Jessica Beale's family-themed restaurant-slash-community clubhouse called... A-U. A-U Fudge? Oh, oh. <laughs> How is that in French? How, how do you spell a, say A-U? Oh? Oh, fudge. Oh, fudge? <laughs> yes. The restaurant is called Oh, fudge. A-U right, fudge. So, yeah. Oh, fudge. First, let's just, let's just remind our listeners, Jessica Beale, the woman who said she can't get any jobs in Hollywood because she's too good looking. <laughs> uh, What? Yes. <laughs> she's not bad looking, but she's not too nope. good looking. You just don't know that she's too good looking. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, what, one of the people reviewing this restaurant did say that she was more strikingly beautiful in person than they realized, but whatever. Anyway, Oh Fudge, which I thought which was Which has nothing to do fudge. with the restaurant, mind you. That what? is an unprofessional review. Oh. <laughs> well, they, no, they criticize us a lot. Uh <laughs> Oh, fudge. I'm sorry. Guys, I have problems with French. <laughs> Say it however you want. If you want to go, oh, fudge. <laughs> Ew, no. Oh, fudge. Uh, has been reviewed, uh, has been referred to in many reviews as a chucky cheese for rich people. Ugh. The restaurant, I think that is way too generous of a review. The restaurant opened in West Hollywood over the summer, and Beale said she created it for, quote, moms and families who want to go have a safe, delicious, softly sourced meal, which is so, oh, guys, I'm not poor, but anyone that's saying a thoughtfully sourced meal just makes me hate rich people. <laughs> Only rich people could have the privilege of finding a thoughtfully sourced meal. Okay, go do something better. <laughs> anyway, this is a self-described community clubhouse. What do you consider a community clubhouse? Well, <laughs> you would think it'd be open to the community, but it's like, clearly only open to the rich community. <laughs> yeah. And it was a clubhouse. Yeah. Clubhouse is really just a code word for, like, kid shit, isn't it? Yeah. I was disappointed by how... I like how it says, though, restaurant and creative space. <laughs> yeah. Oh, are you looking at a thing? I'm just at the front page of the website. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where um, they also offer O-Fudge Camp. Yeah, I haven't looked at that yet. Oh, man. I, I, maybe I'll have to talk about it more next week. Okay. Fudge Camp. So, O-Fudge tries to mix regular kids' stuff with upscale Hollywood living. Um, I read a really long review <laughs> that was fascinating, in which a woman, who seems to not be rich, I think she went on, who's dime? Gawker's dime, I think? Or Jezebel? She went on somebody's dime. And she ended up spending $237 having dinner with her 
friend and the, her child, and she saw Tay Diggs. Okay. So some of the kids, what do you think in an upscale uh, community clubhouse uh, toted as Chuck E. Cheese for rich people, what do you think their children's uh, menu would include? Which one, the lunch one? No, are you looking? <laughs> I was gonna. I was just really gonna hit you hard with just like. Oh, I think it would have like I don't know something like a green falafel farm board, <laughs> I, <laughs> which is exactly on there for fifteen dollars, guys. Uh, actually, I was going off of dinner, but you could tell me whatever you want. Don't look. Tell me. Guess, guess two things you think would be on there. What am I guessing now for? What do you think would be for the children? Yeah, like. <clears throat> There's going to be, like, a cheeseburger of some sort, but it's going to definitely have, like, uh, grass-fed beef and stuff. Um, there's going to be chicken nuggets, but, like, the chicken nuggets, yeah, they're going to be, like, locally grown chickens. <laughs> Artisanal chickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, like, KFC chicken nuggets. <laughs> they do have chicken nuggets. Um, they have a, a burger, but I don't think that's for children because it costs an egregious amount of money. The uh, kids. But I want a burger, mommy. (laughs) They had grilled cheese sticks, thank goodness. But then they also had truffle grilled cheese sticks for the child that you want to have an obnoxious palate from a young age. Mm -hmm. And they had the classic peanut butter and almond, peanut butter and jelly sandwich, except it's almond butter instead of peanut butter. And they have $18 pancakes. No mac and cheese. I was disappointed in that. But okay, fine, fine. Truffle grilled cheese fingers and peanut butter. I'm oh, sorry, almond butter and jelly sandwiches. That's that's kitty enough. Um, the adult fare uh, includes a forty-five dollar steak. What is it? Steak frites? Steak frites? That's just steak and fries. Yeah. How do you say that? Yeah, you're right. Frites. Okay, steak frites, and. A chicken club sandwich that the reviewer said inexplicably had caviar on it, which made no sense and didn't even taste good. It cost $37. Wow. And she mostly said that everything was dry. Anyway, so the concept is for $15 an hour. Now, mind you, like, Chuck E. Cheese is a place where they have, like, animatronics and you have dinner with your parents, probably, but there's kitty stuff all around. In this concept... Your parents go to the restaurant and pay $15 an hour for an au pair to take your child into another room. So basically, you just pay someone to babysit your child. But in the other room is the creative space where there are art supplies. Um, There's like a little karaoke system. And there's those old-fashioned horses that Victorian children like rode. Like a rocking horse. Yeah, like a rocking horse. Uh, There's no electronic devices other than the karaoke system. A modern child would be out of their mind. (laughs) Chuck E. Cheese, which I went to as a child, before I had smartphones or iPads, before the internet was around, it had video games. (laughs) That's what I would expect from a kid-friendly thing. Yeah. Or like rides. Chuck E. Cheese has ride video games and animatronics. This has rocking horses and an easel. No, there are like no, there's no tickets. There's no prizes. There's no anything. It's just like, it's like, no, this is offensive. I was just saying it's like a space for like, you'd imagine like homeschool children have. Like, 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 or Amish people. Like, it's just like, it's not like a thing that a child that like, interact with other children would want to go to um so it's like chuck e cheese but like not fun yeah. um as of 2017 uh jessica beale uh went on the jimmy kimmel show to promote i don't know that she's too pretty to have the job um and she told him that she as of yet has not made any money on this restaurant which Makes sense. No surprise there. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, I was just like, ew, like, so obnoxious. To like, you know, I'm a proponent of not having your kid be in front of screens all the time. I find it obnoxious. However, I don't think you need to go back a couple of years and force them to like 
things that they wouldn't let. No, mind you, I'm sorry. I would love to have a screen, a, a, a place where your kids can go where there's no screen time. But if I'm going to go booze it up in another room, right. I would expect them to have something way more engaging. Like, I, I would think, like, that sort of thing should be an inclusive, like, that should that should be the family thing, that you are both not on a thing. Yeah, And you're maybe totally. doing some art stuff together or something like that. But, yeah, it's, it seems pretty shitty. Yeah, I don't want to say that I, I think kids need video games or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, I think that's a You could experience. sit at home and do, like, you could sit at home and unplug all the electronics at home, but you can't play skee-ball at home, so you go to yeah. Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> like, meaning, this is for adults, and you have a babysitter. No child's going to be like, Mommy, can I go to the place with the rocking horses? <laughs> like, no, that's not a thing. Except so, for that specific kid who has that voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're a neo-Victorian <laughs> child. There we go. From Bergen bags to fudge. <laughs> that's what celebrities are doing nowadays. Yeah, because you don't make enough money, right? You got to start yeah. supplementing and having. Although this does sound like a passion project for both ladies. Oh, fudge is not <laughs> on, play on words. They should sell fudge. Yeah. Just I agree. Fudge. She just thought that was a good idea, and I'm sure she's surrounded by a lot of people who just agree with her all the time. Yeah, like I didn't even hear a mention of like, fudge at if, all. What if, in every one of the rooms, each time they do this? They have a pile of poop someplace <laughs> hidden in the room. <laughs> and if you find it, you get to go, oh, fuck! <laughs> I would appreciate that of course. more than what it is. <laughs> At least that's got moxie. <laughs> I would love a truffle grilled cheese, but not with my child there. <laughs> I can't eat joking. that shit in front of my kid. <laughs> They're going to judge me. Exactly. So guys. That was our weird episode. Not that this is less normal than others, but yeah. Marissa was sick last week. I'm sick this week. We just tried our best to cobble something together for you. Yeah, so hope you liked it. You got anything to plug, Marissa? Um, follow me on Instagram at Courtship of Veneer. I'm back doing my passion project, everybody, on a consistent basis at courtship of veneer please that's all i want to plug you and, and sports card truths was going pretty strong for a while but again i got sick this week so i just didn't feel inspired to write any new ones this week but you can certainly follow that as well um otherwise have a great week you can give us a yeah. call at 570 pod one that's 570-763-9231 leave us a voicemail send us a text do whatever you want um, find us somehow on the internet. Check out our Patreon page where we have a couple of outtakes and silly things from the show up there if you donate a dollar. Other than that, we'll see you next show. Okay, bye! Bye! Yeah, hi. Hi.